Y'all go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, 27 through 31, and we're going to be, we talked last week about the doctrine of what? Justification. And we learned, hopefully, or, or we reaffirmed that justification is by grace through faith in Christ and, and that alone. And we talked about that in detail. Uh, just this morning, I had an interesting story, and, and you guys know this, I'm not a big storyteller. But I had an interesting story happen in light of what we're talking about tonight and what we talked about last week. I had a man come by, and he was um, pretty upset. He was 42 years old, and he was really bent out of shape about something that he did when he was 17 years old. And uh, what he did is really irrelevant because Christ has forgiven him of all his sins. But he said, I, I just have a hard time believing that I'm worthy of forgiveness in regard to this one thing. And I said, you know why you have such a hard time believing that you're worthy of forgiveness in that one thing? He said, no, tell me. I said, because you're not. And we began to talk about justification by grace through faith in Christ alone. And I watched as the light bulb went off uh, for this, this man and it finally clicked, and, and he, he came to this conclusion with excitement, and it excited me, it thrilled me. He says, I got it now. Jesus did it for me. And I said, yes, you understand. Uh, the thing is, he was a born-again believer, no doubt in my mind. He, he told me when he came to Christ and about his life prior to Christ. But he didn't quite understand that he had been declared completely righteous in spite of all of God's laws that he had broken in his sin nature. And so I got to talk to him about that and share with him, and we rejoiced together. And he left here uh, with a totally different look on his face than when he walked in my office. He left here at peace. And I said, isn't it good to have peace and to have joy and to know that it's all about, just like he said, Christ doing this for you. So, we're going to look tonight again at justification, um, and we're going to see that justification by faith alone, what we talked about last week, uh, from a doctrinal perspective, we're going to look at it today as the end of boasting. The end of boasting. And Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 27, after he establishes for us, or begins to establish, he's going to actually take the next few chapters to really reiterate justification by faith and that alone in Jesus Christ. But he says this in verse 27, where then is boasting? And he answers this question, it is excluded. On what principle? On that of, of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart what? from observing the law. Verse 29, he says, Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Verse 31, he says, Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold it. And so we're going to see that Paul is going to teach us some lessons tonight about the exclusion of boasting or bragging in our flesh of anything that could ever contribute to our righteousness. He's going to talk about this, and he talks about it from a position of writing to the church. We know this church made up of born-again Gentiles and born-again Jews, and he's writing this, and he's going to explain to them, based on what he covered in the verses prior to this about justification, he's going to explain to him, because we are justified by grace through faith in Christ, and that alone, because of that, nobody has a right to boast. He's going to complement what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that it is by grace we have been saved through faith. And this is not of works, it is a gift of God. Why? So that no man can boast. I believe this with all my heart. When we truly understand grace, when we truly understand the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, when we truly understand biblical salvation, we can't take any credit for it. We can't brag and we can't boast on anything that we've done. So be careful using terms like when I got my life right, when I straightened out, 
when I whatever. Be careful of those things because what you're doing in that is you are boasting in something that really had nothing to do with you at all. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And we know that is so we do not and cannot boast. He's going to cover this. He says you no longer can boast. He says it is excluded. Verses 27 and 28. Let's go back there. He says, where then is boasting? It's excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? Nope. But on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. This bothered, I guarantee you, those Jewish believers who were here. It bothered them immediately. As soon as they read it, as soon as it rolled off of the tongue of whoever was reading it to that congregation, because what he was doing is he was taking away the boasting that they had had for a long time, and that was the boasting of their self-righteous legalism. It's this attitude. I'm I'm a good person, and I do good things. Therefore, God will observe my good things and the fact that I'm a good person and He'll save me according to those good works or those good things that I've done. This, this is the legalist. And we see this legalist. If you will, turn to Mark chapter 10. And we're going to see Jesus covers examples of every person that we're going to talk about tonight who no longer can boast. Jesus talking about the legalist in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 He says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You like his question? What must I do? The interesting thing about that is that's exactly what he meant. What must I do? What, what do I have to attain? What, what level of righteousness do I have to, to somehow fulfill on my own? He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Verse 19, he says this, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Verse 20, he says, teacher, all these I have kept since I was a boy. How many of you guys in this room believe that? Verse 21, he says, Jesus look at him, looked at him and loved him. Please understand that Jesus had compassion on him because he was in ignorance and he was in his self-righteousness. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He was talking about a literal doorway that would keep the camels out that a camel could not pass through, referred to as the eye of the needle. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? They said, well, if, if it's impossible, how can it happen? Because we know that a camel can't go through the eye of the needle. It's designed to keep the camel out. How is this possible? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Y'all, y'all have heard this misquoted many times out of context. In the context of salvation, it fits, doesn't it? With man, this is impossible but not with God. All things are possible with God. We know that justification comes, the declaration of righteousness comes from God. It is by grace. We've talked about that over and over and over again. This young man in this story who had great wealth was trusting in his own acts of righteousness to somehow lead him to eternal life. And we know this. When we understand justification by faith, and we understand that that comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we realize that we can never keep the law, that we were uh, at our very best still filthy and unrighteous. So we see as we look at this, this young man 
came to Jesus wanting to know what good thing he could do. And Jesus basically said, you're not going to get there. It's impossible for you to get there, hanging on to your good things, trying to get there on your own strength, trying to somehow obey every single law. You're never going to do it. They said, man, that's impossible. How can a man even be saved? And he said, yes, it is impossible for a man to save himself. That's what Jesus was saying. But with God, all things are possible. So we can't boast when we understand justification by faith alone. We can't boast in our self-righteous legalism. Why? Because we're all sinners by nature, aren't we? We covered that in a lesson when we talked about total depravity. We are all sinners by our very nature. And we have nothing to boast about. It's because we are sinners by our nature that we then break God's law. Did you know we read last week, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because we're sinners by nature, guess what? We're going to sin. We're going to do the things that are against God's laws and His commands. And because we are lawbreakers, because we do break God's law, we are declared unrighteous in and of ourselves, no matter how hard we try, no matter the things that we do. And because we're all unrighteous, we see Romans chapter 1, verse 18, all the way to 3.20, Paul declared for us that we deserve judgment and wrath. Because we are unrighteous and because we are totally depraved. We are unacceptable to God and have no grounds to boast. When we boast in ourselves, in our thought good deeds or our thought righteousness, we reveal to everyone and if we'll pay close attention even to ourselves our lack of understanding when it comes to the biblical doctrine of justification by faith in Christ alone. So no longer can we boast from a position of self-righteousness. I, I go back to the Apostle Paul. Many of you are familiar with the passage in Philippians chapter 3. But he's going to say this. He's, he's going to talk about a time in his life where he had obviously counted up the things that he could boast about. You can look at this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. I want to start here in looking at this at verse 5, the second part. He's talking about his legalistic view, his, his living a self-righteous life as a legalist. He says, if anyone, the first verse there, for if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, he says, I have more. And he says in verse 5, the second part, and we'll come back and look at the first part in a second. He said, in regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, he says, faultless. As for legalistic righteousness, I am faultless. That's what Paul thought of himself at one time when he was Saul and he was viciously persecuting the church and sincere in his thought faith. However, he had missed the mark because he was boasting in his self-righteous works, his legalism. He said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. As for the law, I was as righteous as they come. You know the unfortunate thing about that? As righteous as man comes, he was still totally depraved and totally unrighteous in comparison to the righteousness of God that is required for salvation. He says there's no boasting in our self-righteous legalism any longer when we understand justification by faith alone. Secondly, no longer can you boast from the position of systemic leanings. Systemic leanings, we know this. We know that that's a word we hear all the time attached to systemic racism and all the things that we hear today. And unfortunately, when we talk about the Jews, there were some systemic leanings. They thought that they were God's people, and they were a little bit better than everyone else, and they were the cream of the crop, and just because that they were Jew, uh, they were going to be counted as righteous because they were God's people. We see this in verse 29, back to Romans chapter 3. He goes on and he says, Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. We know this. He's talking about the faith that we have in Christ alone. He's saying this. Both the Jews and the Gentiles will be justified by that same faith. Therefore, there is no ground for anyone to boast systemically about their leanings that I was 
born this, fill in the blank. I am what? We could come up with all sorts of examples. I am Jew. Therefore, I'm justified in God's sight. Won't work. I'm religious. Therefore, I'm justified in God's sight. Won't work. I'm Baptist. Therefore, I'm justified in God's sight. Not going to justify you. I'm an American. Right? And God obviously loves Americans more than the rest of the world, doesn't He? I'm an American. Therefore, I'm justified in God's sight. Watch this one for us guys in the South. I'm a pretty good old boy. Therefore, I'm justified in God's sight. The only problem with those examples is they all stem from our systemic leanings. Things that we think that are incorrect. The, 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 the person who leans that way is what the Scriptures call that religious Pharisee, that Pharisee who thinks that just because I am religious, just because I am ritualistic, just because I do X, Y, and Z, I am now somebody. I am above others. Now, when we look at this, we see, again, Jesus giving us a great example, as he always does in Luke chapter 18. Move over there. Verse 9. It's okay if we include Jesus in our teaching, right, boys? Verse 9, he says this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. This is that systemic leaning that the Jew had in the days of Christ. They, they were confident in themselves. They had that legalistic attitude, but they also had that systemic leaning of thinking that they were a little bit better than everyone else. Please, listen to me, men. Don't grab that self-righteous pharisaical attitude. Uh, you'll never lead anyone to Christ with that attitude. In fact, what you'll do, you might lead them to legalism. You might lead them to religion. Uh, but probably in the end, you were probably going to do more harm than good and push them away from justification by grace through faith in Christ alone. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Pharisee would be the religious person. The tax collector would be exactly what they are today, hated by all. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, and let me tell you this, when the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, he let everybody know about it. In fact, that's what Jesus rebuked him about, about praying to be heard by men. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Can you imagine this? He probably did this while he was praying. He probably said, because the first thing on the list was robbers. He probably looked right at the tax collector. Robbers. Right? Because this Pharisee in his mind was a little bit better than that tax collector. Or in his mind, actually, a lot better. He said, I'm glad I'm not like other men. Robbers. Evildoers. Adulterers. Or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, he didn't have anything to offer. Watch him. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. You see the difference between a pharisaical attitude of someone who has systemic leanings of, leanings of thinking that they are better than someone else for religious reasons and a person who is broken over his sin and understands that he is wretched in the sight of a holy God. He cries out to God, obviously in true faith. He said he wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Watch what Jesus says in verse 14. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus is saying the same thing that Paul is saying here in Romans. He's saying that we can no longer boast from a position of systemic leanings. We can't say that we are somehow better than everyone else because I've been saved for a while. I've joined the church. I've been baptized. I've got my act together. Sure you do. Let me warn you of something. Uh, so that you don't fall into this trap of Phariseeism and, and become a religious Pharisee. Scripture is true. How many of you believe it? 
then believe this one. Pride comes before the fall. For he who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Our only hope for salvation is justification by grace through faith in Christ alone. Don't ever act as if you've got it all together because you couldn't have it all together. If you could have had it all together, Jesus came to this earth and died for nothing. However, we have established through reading what Paul was teaching to the Romans, we are all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Never should we stand and brag about who we are or what we've accomplished and look down on someone else. Because I promise you this, anything in you that is really good came from Christ. It didn't come from you. Anything that's good in me, I promise you this, came from Christ. It didn't come from me. All I was capable of doing was sin. And I was pretty good at it. And I'm thankful that I'm now justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. I can't brag about who I am. I can't lean in my systemic ideology toward thinking that I'm better than someone else. Paul covers this. Back to Philippians. He says, if anyone thinks he has confidence to put, uh, reasons to put confidence in his flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Paul understood these things. He probably used to brag about it. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Why is that important? Because that's when the law said it had to happen. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, you can just hear him saying in his religious boasting, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, as we read, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But here's what Paul came to in his conclusion, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Watch this. Not having a righteousness of my own, before these verses, he was talking about the righteousness of his own that he thought that he once had. He said, not of a righteousness that comes from me, and that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. When we understand justification by faith alone, we understand this. We understand that we have no reason to boast in our religious status. No longer can you boast from the position of systemic leanings. It doesn't matter if you're an American. Did y'all know this? There's a church, there's a worldwide church that encompasses more people than America could hold. Please understand, we don't have Christianity and the market on Christianity cornered just because we're Americans. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And just because we're an American, it means nothing. Did you know all Americans do not go to heaven? I know you've never went to a funeral in America where somebody didn't go to heaven. Because people think that all Americans go to heaven. However, that's not the case. The case is all Americans are sinners. They are in need of salvation, which comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. And when they understand that, there's not going to be any bragging about who they are. We see this, don't we, in the religious circles? You talk to a man about his relationship to Christ, and he wants to say, well, I'm a Baptist, and I've been a Baptist for 25 years. Well, sir, I could care less if you were a Baptist. Or he wants to say, well, I'm a Methodist. Or he wants to talk about when he was baptized. Or he wants to talk about all these things that he has accomplished and done. I've been on mission trips. Well, that's good. We see people in Scripture who went on mission trips. In fact, Demas went on mission trips with Paul, and Demas forsook the Lord to chase after the things of the world. Because it is justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone that takes away our boasting in us and what we can do or what we've done. Our claims to have preferred access to God are invalid. Invalid. We're all justified by faith in Christ alone or not at all. He said, is the Jew justified by a different faith than the Gentile? No, they're both justified by what? The same exact faith. Faith in Christ alone in the finished work of Calvary, His death, His burial, His resurrection. We can't approach God by our thought religious heritage. Well, haven't we tried to do that? Romans chapter 2, verse 28. You don't have to turn it. We already read it. 
Remember this, though. It said a man is not Jew if he is only one outwardly, right? Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. We have to understand that. It is not about our thought, religious heritage or position. We can't approach God by that thought position. Many people, especially in our country, think that they are children of God when they are not. Did you know this? You can talk to many unbelievers and they'll say, but I'm a child of God. The truth be told, they're not a child of God at all. Jesus encountered people like this in his day, John chapter 8. Many of you have read this. I hope you have. If you haven't, go read it. 839, in the middle of this story, He's having a discussion with these Pharisees, these religious people. and They say this in 39, Abraham is our father, they answered. Jesus told them, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you're determined to kill me. Jesus knew that they were planning to kill him. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Verse 41 says, you are doing these things, you are doing the things your own father does. They look at Jesus and they say, what are you talking about? We're not illegitimate children. They protested. He didn't say they were illegitimate. Did you catch that? He just said, the, the one you think is your father is not your father. We're not illegitimate. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you were unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now. When we look at this, only those who are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone are truly children of God. So we see in our society, in the country that we live in, many people have this thought position that is really not a truthful position at all. They think that they're children of God because they were born in America, and when they were little kids, they sang, God bless America, and that counts for something. The unfortunate thing is it doesn't count for anything. Because we are justified by grace through faith in Christ and that alone. And that is the only way that we are declared righteous, that we are declared right with God, and that the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed unto us so that we are acceptable to a holy God. We cannot boast in any position that is not established through the finished work of Christ. I don't care if you did it. It is your Christian heritage. Your grandma told you this. Your grandpa told you that. They are all wrong. When we base our hope on anything that establishes righteousness other than Christ, we base our hope in a lie. We are not truly children of God. By boasting of who we are, we take the emphasis and the glory away from Christ. You know where we place it? On us. On ourselves. On our heritage. On our upbringing. On our religion on our denomination, when we put it on those things, please understand this, we are taking, watch this, stealing the glory away from Christ. You guys remember when we studied the five solas? Sole, Deo, what? Gloria, to His glory alone. So it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for His glory alone. Let me tell you this, He's not going to share it with you. It's not that you are an American plus a Christian that justifies you. It's not that you are a Baptist plus a Christian that justifies you. It's not because you've been baptized plus you're a Christian that justifies you. You are justified by grace through faith, and that is it. Grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Anything else takes the emphasis and the glory off of Christ and puts it on something or someone else. We see that our systemic leanings we can no longer boast in them about where we came from what denomination we belong to 
what country we were born in. We move on. He reads again in verse back to Romans chapter 3 and verse 31. He says this, Do we then nullify the law by this faith? You know what was happening again. He knew that the Jews were about to get upset again about their law. He says, do we then nullify the law by this faith? He says, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Better translation, rather, we establish the law. Rather, we establish the law. No longer can we boast, right? Because when we started this, he, was, he, he, he began the whole lesson tonight with, where is boasting? It's excluded. It's excluded, right? Our self-righteous legalism, we can't boast about that if we truly understand justification by grace through faith and that alone. Our systemic leanings, we can't boast and brag on who we are and where we come from, our heritage. He goes on and he says, we also, when we understand justification by faith alone, no longer can we boast from the position of sinful license. He's talking here about bragging about how you now, because of justification by grace through faith, can just completely ignore the law. He's letting people know that that is false. That is what theologians call antinomianism. We've talked about it a little bit in the past. This is the person who says, I have grace, and because I have grace, the law is useless, and it has no place in my life at all. We then begin to boast on our freedom. I'm free in Christ to do whatever I want to do. But we cannot boast that justification by faith nullifies the law. Why? Because that's not scriptural at all. I'll show you where it's not scriptural. Matthew chapter 7. Again, we've referenced Jesus on the other two. Let's go back and look at him again. Matthew chapter 7. And let's see how the law applies in the midst of justification by grace through faith in Christ and that alone. Verse 7, 21. Jesus says here, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, he says, Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name? and Did we not cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. He goes on to say this when you continue to read. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, very important statement next, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So I want you to understand something. When we talk about antinomianism and we talk about that person, and, and that Greek word is anonomo, which is against the law, that, that we, we think that there's no place for the law. Now, I want to tell you this. I'm not antinomian in my theology. Neither should you be. Why? Because the law has a purpose. And to leave out the law is to miss God's grace in the law. How many of you understand, when we talk about law, we still talk about grace because God didn't cease to be gracious just because He gave Israel the law. We must realize that even God's law is graciously given. God's grace shown through the law shows what God accepts, His acceptable standard. Did you know if we didn't have the law, we wouldn't know what God requires. You know what God requires? He requires this. We, we see it way back in Leviticus chapter 11 in the law. Verse 49, the first time we see this, he says, Be holy. Why? Because I am holy. Does God require holiness? You bet he does. 
Thankfully, because we are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, His holy standard has been met in our stead by Christ. Now, we understand He revealed to us His standard through the law. And in revealing to us His standard, when we see the law, what does it show us? It shows us immediately how bad we fall short of holiness. And so when we completely throw the law out, how can we ever point people to Christ and show them that there is a standard that Christ met that you can't meet on your own? He will justify you through His sacrifice that He made, and that is the only way to meet this standard. So we can't throw the law out. It's, 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 it is God's acceptable standard where He revealed His holiness. And it is in the law that He also reveals for us His acceptable sacrifice. His acceptable sacrifice, did you know this? The law is where we realize that the sacrifice of atonement had to be an unblemished blood sacrifice. It was no accident that Jesus came to this earth to be a blood sacrifice for the sin of all who would believe. Let me say this. When John the Baptist saw Him, what did he say the moment he saw Him? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb. He understood Him to be that sacrifice, that acceptable sacrifice that the law defined for us. So we can't take away the law because it is in the law that we see God's acceptable sacrifice and we understand why Jesus actually had to come and He actually had to bleed and He actually had to die on that cross as our atoning sacrifice. And so we see uh, there's no longer... Uh, a, a place where we can jump into the position of boasting in regard to sinful license. I can just abuse the law. Why would you abuse the law? The law is beautiful for it is in the law that we see His acceptable standards, the holiness of God. Many people want to just erase the whole Old Testament and play like it doesn't matter. They want to not talk about the law and play as if it never existed. But in the law, we miss the first pictures of God's grace that He has chosen a people to set aside for His perfection. And he had showed them that they, they can't do this on their own. And so there had to be a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was Christ, the Lamb of God, our Passover Lamb, who came to this earth to shed His blood and to die in our place. And so we see also that when we look at God's law, we see His grace in the law exposes something for us. What does it expose? It exposes our wretchedness. Did you know this? Please pay attention to this when we talk about the law. God did not have to graciously give the law to reveal our need for Christ. He could have just allowed us to perish in our sin. We read Romans in order as we've been reading it. He says, the wrath of God abides on these people. And that they deserve judgment. And there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We would have never known how wretched we are had it not been for the law of God. We would never be able to see that Decalogue, those Ten Commandments, and to know that I have violated God's standard. We would have never known we were wretched. And so in the law, God graciously reveals to us our wretched condition. The law exposed us to our wretchedness. That's why it's important when you share the gospel that you also share with that person you're talking to before you get to the good news of Jesus Christ, make sure you share the bad news that they have broken all of God's commands, that they are offensive to a holy God, and they cannot meet His standard in and of themselves. And then start telling them about justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. How when you could not come to God, God came to you and He offered His only begotten Son as the sacrificial lamb upon a cross to cleanse you of all of your sin and to make you righteous before a holy God. So we see His grace in the law exposes our wretchedness. He didn't have to do that. We were already without excuse. Did you know that? He had already revealed Himself through creation. He did not have to give the law to show you how wretched you truly are. But yet He graciously gave us the law so that we can see how wretched we truly are so that He could as we saw last week, introduce us to a righteousness that comes from God, and that is by faith in Christ alone. 
So we see His grace and the law exposed our wretchedness. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that when I read the Old Testament law, I realize that I failed at every command. That I failed at every command, and even the ones that I think that I might have gotten right, I probably didn't because my motives were wrong. And so we see in the law, we see God's grace pointing to our wretchedness. And we see by exposing our wretchedness through the law, He graciously shows us our need for His righteousness as we said in Romans 3.20. That righteousness that comes from God and is apart from the law. Are you thankful that that righteousness came to rescue you from your wretchedness? But how would you have known how wretched you truly were had you not known the laws of God? Whether those laws were read from this page or whether they were written upon your conscience where God places them in men, you knew this because He placed those things either in you or on these pages that you read you realized in that that you were a sinner. Think about this for a second. What if God would have never graciously given His law? We would all still be destined for hell. We would all still be deserving of hell. We would all still be deserving of judgment. Please do not become an antinomian and erase the law. The law has a purpose. What was the law's purpose? The law's purpose was to bring forth sin. And the reason that God desired to bring forth sin was to show us that we were not capable of righteousness on our own. We have no grounds to boast. We're not capable of fulfilling the commands. And that through the Gospel, the law's demands were fulfilled in Christ. Romans 8, and I hate to jump ahead to Romans 8 because we're going to get there in a little while. When we get there, we're going to have fun. But let's do it. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, Therefore, he spent all this time, Romans chapter 1, all the way to 3, establishing that we are sinners and in need of a righteousness that we can't get on our own. We see from Romans chapter 3, he moves into justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We see in Romans 8, he's going to say this, because we are justified, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Please pay attention to that last part. The law and obedience unto God's commands is going to be the evidence that you truly are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. Please understand, when, when we just throw the law out and say that it doesn't matter anymore, we make a grave error. Did you know this? Jesus made it simple. I've already talked to you about this a little. We'll talk about it more. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. I promise you, you do that. And the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, you do that, you'll be obedient to all ten of them. Won't you? Yeah, you'll be, you'll be obedient to all ten of them. You will not break any of God's commands if you truly do love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you're walking in the Spirit, as that verse just said in Romans, that if you are walking not in your sinful nature, because we know this, if we walk in our sinful nature, what are we going to walk in? Unrighteousness. But if we're walking in the, the, the Spirit, in that situation, we are going to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind, love our neighbor as ourselves. We are going to be obedient to the commands of God. There is no boasting in a, quote, freedom that says I can live any way that I want to live because of grace. Again, before we even get there, Romans chapter 6, he said, shall we sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. Why? Because he knew this was going to be the argument. Because the Jew is going to say, well, well, because that we're justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, then we don't have to worry about the law at all. And Paul says, no, we established the law. The law has a purpose. The law brought forth the standard of God. He showed us his holiness through the law. He showed us what an acceptable sacrifice is. He showed us how sinful we truly are. There is a place for the law, even in the New Testament church. There's a place for it. And that place is to point people to Jesus Christ 
And when people are then justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, now watch this. Because of that gospel, we now have the ability to obey God's law in Christ. Not for justification. How many of you understand that? We covered it. We're not justified by our works, even obeying the law. Not for justification, but because of justification. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We might die to sin and live for righteousness. Were it not for the law, we would not know what righteousness looks like. Please understand that. We now have the ability, because of the Spirit who lives in us, to be obedient to the things we could not be obedient to in our flesh. Galatians 5.13 You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is he saying? He's saying when you, as a believer, when you understand this principle that, that your freedom is not an excuse to just throw away the law, but your freedom is an excuse to now look at the law and say, God, what do you require that I do to show my neighbor love? Don't covet his stuff. Don't commit adultery with his wife. Don't steal his things, right? Don't lie to him. See how this works? We are now being obedient to the law, not for justification. We're being obedient to the law because we have been justified in Christ. It is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. So we can no longer boast from the position of sinful license. We can't say, I have freedom in Christ, therefore I can do whatever I want to do. That attitude will do two things for you. Number one, it will reveal that you're probably not a true believer at all or you have a very, very, very serious lack of understanding in what justification by grace through faith truly is and there is no appreciation in your heart for what Jesus did for you at the cross. Or you're going to hurt, if you are truly a believer, you're going to hurt your testimony to everyone who you come in contact with and you're going to lead them into false teaching and false ideology. So we see that because of the gospel, we now have the ability to obey the God's laws, the laws of God in Christ. When we are in Christ, and we were placed into Christ, not by the things that we do, not by the heritage that we have, not by the religion that we embrace, not by anything we did in our own strength, in our own power. We were placed into Christ by grace through faith in that alone. And because we have been placed in Christ, his Spirit now indwells us. And His Spirit will lead us into obedience that brings God glory. These are the good works that Ephesians talks about that He has prepared in advance for us to do. So now, as we look at this and we wrap this all up, we really realize, I hope, that we have no reason to boast in ourselves. Paul understood this, didn't he? As a man who one time boasted in all of his religious accolades and all of his educational accolades and all of his heritage and all of his, his thought righteousness. And then at the end he says, this is all rubbish, scubulant, dung in comparison to Christ. Dung in comparison to Christ. And how did he receive Christ? He was justified freely by grace through faith in what Christ did through the cross, through His death, through His burial, through His resurrection. So what do we do with this? So now, now that we have no reason to boast, how should we respond? What should our response be to this message? I think Paul clears it up for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He says, It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let me tell you something. Those of you who are here tonight and you have been justifi justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you did nothing 
nothing to earn that. All you did was sin. And in sinning, the law revealed to you your need for a Savior and thank God for His grace and His mercy that that Savior was provided on a cross outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. I was thankful today that I got to have that discussion with the man who came by my office. I'm always leery when I have random appointments. Just some stranger calls up and says, hey, I'd like to meet with you. But after I left and I saw him understand that Jesus did it all, he could no longer leave here, and he didn't. He couldn't leave here carrying the weight anymore because he finally realized that Jesus had already bore that weight for him on the cross. And I loved his attitude. He did it for me with tears in his eyes. He did it for me. You know what he did without really even noticing it? He boasted in the Lord for the first time. Instead of trying to figure it out on his own, instead of trying, hey man, he came in, he's like, I don't know what to do about it. I smiled and said, there's nothing you can do about it. How old are you now? He said, I'm 42. Well, there's really nothing you can do about what you did when you were 17. All you can do is trust in what the Word of God says. That every single one of your sins have been completely washed away because you are a child of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to ever change your position. He said, what do you mean? I said, God has declared you justified. You are righteous in His sight. And now... It's time that you start living like someone who has been declared righteous. That's where the law comes in. What does righteousness look like? Well, he gave us the Old Testament and the laws thereof to show us what righteousness looks like. Now, we understand that. We understand this as Gentiles, some of these things. We know, hey, they don't really apply to us, but they may apply to someone else who is living by those things, right? That's why Paul would tell us, and this is a free lesson at the end, that's why Paul would let, tell us to be careful when that person has a weaker com conscience that you don't offend them and become a stumbling block to them, that you respect others. Now, how do you do that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. If someone is convicted that they're not supposed to eat crawfish, what do you do? Don't invite them for a crawfish boil, right? Or their family. And then you got more crawfish for you to eat, right? So as we conclude, if we boast, the only boast that any of us have, I can tell you this right now, the only boast that Kirk Hall has is to boast in Jesus Christ, the one who justified me when I didn't deserve it. I deserved hell. I deserved judgment. I deserved death. Yet Jesus, according to the will of God, the plan of God, and the grace of God, rescued me from my sin, even though I didn't deserve it. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you that we have no grounds to boast. Boasting is excluded. Because, Lord, we know this, that if we were to boast of even the smallest thing in our life, it would be stealing glory away from you and your plan. Lord, today, would you just cause us by your Spirit to resolve to never boast of anything that we could ever say or ever do or ever have said or, or ever have done. Lord, that we would hear the words of if I boast, may I boast in you and you alone, Lord Jesus. Thank you for these men. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for continuing to teach us through your spirit and through your word. Lead us and guide us as we leave. Lord, if it be your will, graciously bring us back together to learn more about you at a later time. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name.